0: Of Florida AM, thanks to an offensive and rebounding explosion from Rink Mast. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Scarlet Shoot Around Podcast. My name is Blake. No co-host Mike today. He is out of state working on things uh, with his girlfriend, very exciting things that we may disclose potentially later. But uh solo show today. So I'm gonna keep it relatively simple. I'm not gonna go uh, too crazy and uh, you know everything I don't think anybody wants to hear me talk for 30 minutes straight so I'm going to try to brush through most things pretty briefly have a double episode for you today get a preview Ryder and Stony Brook uh, Rider coming up on Monday Stony Brook I believe being played on Wednesday so back-to-back games this week both opponents should uh, you know cause Nebraska a little bit more of a problem than what Florida A&M and Lindenwood did as both the teams we just played here rank in the uh, towards the end of the D one scale in talent, at least projected by uh, people that you know think they know things such as Ken Palm and, and what have you. So, very excited to talk about what we saw out of the Florida A and M game. I think some new stars shined. Uh, you know, mainly speaking to Rink Mast. Uh, Rink goes off for twenty sixteen and two over twenty seven minutes playing that five spot. Again, he must have heard me uh, me and my comment in regards to his lack of forceful rebounding, and he took it personal as he off for 16 rebounds. And I'm sure most of you who follow Nebraska ball uh, saw that that was the first time since 2008, Alex Marich, I believe, against uh, Missouri in 2008. So really good to see Mast kind of fit that five role. I hit a couple threes. I uh, went two for five from deep, six for 14 from the field. Missed a couple layups, which I think is a little bit, you know, worrisome, but not nothing that matters against a Florida A&M team, at least. Had five offensive rebounds and 11 defensive rebounds within uh, his 16. So got a couple second chances on offense. Now, Florida A&M didn't have a ton of height. Didn't, you know, they weren't totally able to match what he was bringing to the floor, him and Bryce both. Uh, Bryce goes off for 15, 6, and 2 on 3 of 9 shooting um, with 7 free throws. So I don't think based on what we saw out of that Florida A&M game, I don't think Bryce is going to be a guy that's going to be scared to hunt your shot. Um, just watching him over these first two games, he gives me a little bit of a, a Terran Petaway feeling, a guy that is fearful of of having the ball in late-game situations, uh, late shot clock situations. will go and get his if asked for. You know, if, if the situation is calling for an ISO ball or someone to make a play, he's one of the few guys on this team that I believe can make their own shot at any given moment. Um, So if Casey's off the floor or, you know, they're face guarding Casey, I would imagine this offense probably starts to look to go straight through Bryce as he's one of the few guys that can really make things happen. And then rhyming with Bryce, you had uh, Eli Rice coming back out and making a statement after his disappointing out uh, against Lindenwood. He goes 16 and four on three of six shooting from three point over 22 minutes. So Eli Rice finds his shot. Uh, Again, another guy that is not scared whatsoever of the moment will take his shot. If it's open, will hunt his shot and has no fear of pulling the trigger. So very good to see that out of a freshman. Now from the team side of things, Nebraska shoots 41% of the field on 23 of 56 shooting, 36% from 3.10 of 28 and shot 79 or 69%, nearly 70% from the free throw line. Um, but a nice uh, facet of those team stats is that we had 30 bench points. So, um, you know, again, we we talk about this time and time and time and time again on this podcast, but this team has very capable depth. We can go every bit of 8, 9, 10 people deep on this roster. Um, and Hoiberg realizes that, and he had a quote to share on the depth of this team.
1: We hope to get Casey back on Monday as well. Uh, a lot of that will be determined on how he – Uh, response to Saturday and Sunday, but uh, he's a huge part of what we do on the offensive end, obviously, with what he did, especially in the second half of the season. And we just, uh, we really got to buy into the simple play. If we make simple plays, we're going to be fine. Uh, You know, Jawan, hopefully we'll be getting him back uh, sometime next week as well, and you know, have a full team out there. And then we're going to have some decisions to make on who's going to be in the rotation. You can't play uh, 12 guys. It's just, uh, it doesn't work that way.
0: So Fred kind of facing a good dilemma, something that you'd like to see uh, be a problem out of the Husker team, you know. Which I don't, I couldn't tell you the last time we were able to go nine deep legitimately with this program. Uh, but he's looking at a roster of ten guys that he could probably potentially play going into Big Ten play. So some people are going to lose minutes. I think there's some understanding on this roster right now that everybody's playing for a share of minutes going forward. Once a lot of these guys gain health back, you know, how does Jawan Gary fit into this rotation? You know, is he going to be the first sub out for Mast? Is he going to come in for Bryce? Um, you know, does he contribute enough offense to to garter 20 minutes on the floor or is he more of a defensive specialty that comes in for matchups? Right. Um, some questions to be seen. You know, how is Tominaga going to rejoin this squad? You know, whose minutes are going to suffer from that? You know, is is Hoiberg going to end up going back to the bench? I'd, I'd hope not because he's a really good piece. Adds a lot of versatility and adds a lot of energy and spark plug type of play. Um, you know, I would hope Sam Hoiberg doesn't lose his spot in the rotation. He's the guy that brings a lot of spark plug energy to this team off the bench, which is something invaluable. Um, I think that a lot of teams are looking for, and especially a guy that, you know, has is so, again, we talked about last episode. He's just so easy to root for, you know, an undersized guy, a former walk-on coach's kid, quite literally, you know, it's, e- it's easy to see Sam Hoiberg and hope that he goes off for 10 and gets those electric steals. You know, I think a lot of Nebraska fans will never forget, that Maryland steal at the end of the game on the inbounds pass in overtime that, that ended up sealing that win. So, everybody's rooting for Sam Hoiberg, and, and we really hope he gets to keep playing. But, you know, um, amongst Boogie and Coleman and Jamarcus Lawrence, we have, uh, you know, a lot of point guard play. Um, Aaron Eulis, on that note, as we just found out, has been ruled out for the rest of this year. So, that's an unfortunate development for this team. Um, I, you know, based on the sources that I've had and people connected to the program, I've heard behind the, you know, closed doors that that Aaron Ulysses is one of the guys that this staff was really, really, really excited about and thought potentially may be our best point guard on the roster. So a little bit disappointing to hear that news, although I believe he'll be back for next year. I can't foresee him transferring, and I'm not even entirely sure about all of the transfer eligibility rules and, and all those types of things that he may face. So amongst all the point guards, though, against Florida and m Fred was very pleased with the play.
1: Yeah, I thought we got a little careless tonight with, uh, with Jamarcus and, and with Boogie. Uh, at times as well but you know for those guys being asked to play a position they haven't played uh, a lot of I mean both have played with the ball in their hands but um, you know now that's really their job is to get us in there we're playing them together some as well which I've liked that combination uh, on the floor so I've, I've been uh, happy with Marcus he's done a great job he still needs to continue to figure out when to be aggressive on his shot he has taken a few more uh, now than he was early but uh, overall yeah I've been happy with Marcus getting us into an offense
0: so Fred's really excited about the the point guard play as of, as of so far now, you know, um, Lawrence and Coleman combined for seven assists playing as point guard, but also combined for seven turnovers. So Lawrence, I think is still growing into that role, not being a primary ball handler throughout his high school career. Um, you know, it's something he's going to have to learn and, and get accustomed to, but, but Fred's happy with his development so far. I think until he kind of matures into the point guard that Fred wants, I think Boogie can handle it just fine. Now um, does Boogie bring the offensive threat that Jamarcus Lawrence does hard, hard to say. I don't think so as of yet. Now, um, you know, Jamarcus Lawrence last year had a great three point shot. I don't think we've seen that out of him yet this year. So we're hoping that that comes along eventually, but I think, you know, the, the point guard job throughout the rest of the entire year is going to be by rotation. I think we have a lot of guys that can play that role, some better than others potentially, but it's a position where there's no clear alpha dog that can run this offense. So I think we're going to be open up to a lot of different lineups and possibilities and, and how that position may shake out, um, could vastly depend on the matchup that we're facing that week. So Couple other news and notes to round out the Florida A&M uh, review. Matar Diop got checked in. He had a few minutes. Um, I think it's pretty obvious to everybody watching that uh, he needs a lot more fundamental learning of the game. I think he had two to three, maybe even potentially moving screens. So again, it's 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 not by lack of effort. You know that he wants to play. I'm sure. But again, a very, very, very raw prospect, as we've talked about numerous times on this podcast already. He's just going to be a guy that needs to keep on practicing, keep on learning the game. He has the athleticism. We've seen some dunks. We've seen some you know, some good flashes out of him. But I don't know that he's a guy that, you know, when we talk about cutting minutes and and shortening this rotation, he may end up on the short side of that stick. Um, A lot of potential there, but you could just tell he's a little bit raw and probably he's not going to be capable of, of playing quality minutes come Big Ten play. Then lastly, we'll kind of end it up on defense here. So uh, against Florida A&M, Nebraska held them to 30% from the field, uh, 20 for 66 shooting, 20% from the three-point line on four for 20, and 59% on free throws, 10 for 17. So again, I go back to the main point of I don't know how much you can take from from these two games, but what I will say is it's very nice to start on a ledge where we don't have to worry about, you know, any kind of crazy Gavit games. You don't have to worry about going down to Orlando for some ESPN invitational deal. We can just play at home, get comfortable. You know, a lot of these Ken Pomeroy and other um, predictive outlets and statistical and analytic uh, companies and what have you, they, they really like this team from a roster standpoint. I believe this is the highest ranked Nebraska preseason team since probably 2015, if I had to guess, or 2014, the second year Petaway and Shields and some of those guys. And that team may have had more top heavy talent, but this team can go, I mean, like I've said many times now, this team can go eight or nine deep. So I'm really excited to see what comes out of this team. I think the analytics uh, prove that, that this team can play with a lot of other teams um, and can be a factor in big 10 play once that rolls around. So just wrapping up again, Nebraska defeats Florida A&M looks very good in the process. Very excited about what, uh, what we saw from them. And now we start to uh, gather ourselves and get ready for a little bit more stiffer competition. So, Moving into our Rider preview here, uh, Nebraska hosting Ryder, uh, Ryder coming off a game at number five, Marquette just lost 95 to 65, shot 39% in that game, 26% from three, 14 offensive rebounds in that game. So proving that they have a little bit of talent on the rebounding side of things. Um, and they actually out rebounded Marquette 39 to 37 on the glass. So. Uh, on the other side on the other flip side of things they only had 14 assists on 65 points and had 16 turnovers so maybe not a team that is very capable in the passing lanes not a team that can facilitate a ton of offense uh, but a team that's going to attack the glass with force if they have the opportunity other notes in that Marquette game um, Rider allowed Marquette to shoot 55 percent and 43 percent from three so they may have a weak defense again a lot of this a lot of these types of things at, at this point in the season are Hard to discern. You don't really know what you can take from it, and what you can't. Yeah, I mean, are you know, are you going to say Ryder is a really bad defensive team, or are you going to take away that Marquette is a very talented offensive team? You know, Marquette being a two seed in the tournament last year, I don't know their exact roster. I try to keep the scouting to Nebraska opponents specifically and Big Ten in general. But you know, being number five, Marquette, obviously they're they're a very very talented team. I'm sure they returned a lot from that team last year. So um, they had three players in double figures, so showing a little bit of versatility in the scoring side of things. Nebraska is projected to an 84-67 win as it stands right now, so that is assuming a 17-point spread. So going into some of their players, they've got a 6-foot point guard, Corey McKeithen, who's a senior, averaged 3.4, 1.3, and 1.2 as a reserve last year. Okay, that's going to be put into the spotlight a little bit more. Um, you'll find as I go through this starting lineup, Rider, a team that is very, very experienced, has a lot of senior-laden players on their roster. I think this is a team that that's not going to be scared to travel. I don't think the bright lights of PBA, um, and un- like I said, unfortunately in this scenario, lack of a crowd. I don't think that you know Rider's going to back down from any kind of challenge. Um, all five seniors I have projected here um, in the starting lineup. So again, a team that's probably older than us, which is not going to be very common as you know, kind of we go through uh, through the rest of the schedule. Um, At shooting guard, they have a 6'2 guy, Alan Powell, who's another senior, uh, averaged 10.4, 1.5, and 2.1 last year, Um, is a five-year player for Ryder, so very familiar with the program, and was named to the third team all-MAC last year. So this is a guy that is very good within the realm of his conference, Uh, is obviously not scared of shooting the ball, Um, not much of a rebounder or passer, but if you get the guy the ball, he's going to have a decent shot at making it. So Moving on down the lineup at small forward, I have TJ Weeks, a 6'4 senior. Last year averaged 10, 4, and 1. This guy is a UMass grad transfer. Um, he was a starting guard for them over a couple years. You have Mervyn James, a six-seven senior who averaged 13, 7, and 1 last year. Uh, this guy was a second team all-MAC player or all-M-A-A-C, uh, MAC or whatever you may want to call it. Had five double-doubles last year and is a power rebounder. So this is a guy that you know, I, I mentioned earlier, Ryder is is a very good rebounding team. At least they they showed that in Marquette that they're going to attack the glass. So this is a guy that's going to kind of lead that charge, followed by their center or alternate power forward, you know, in today's day and age. The other guy that will assist that operation is their 6'9 center, Treke Ingram. Another senior, again, five seniors in the starting lineup who averaged 6'4 and 1 last year as a guy that came off the bench. He did have 16 starts toward the latter end of the year, so he does have starting experience and did have a 20-point game at some point. Uh, last year. So this is a guy that you don't want to let, you know, have free looks at the basket. Um, very capable. And again, you know, 6'9 guy who's going to try to crash the boards a lot. So Ken Palm on Rider, They have them as the 231st overall team, checking in at 206th on offense and 268th on defense, playing with a tempo that ranks 183rd in the country. Uh, They rank 130th in rebounding offensively and 57th in rebounding defensively. So I don't foresee the Huskers getting a lot of second chance points here. I could see Ryder getting some second chance points on their own side of the basket as well. And uh, they are the 27th most experienced roster um, in the NCAA D1. So this is a game I don't think that Nebraska is going to be able to sleepwalk into like they potentially could have with Lindenwood and Florida A&M. Again, those teams in the Ken Palm rankings checked out toward the very actually end of the barrel towards the 350s uh, side of things. So, again, this team checking in at 231. Not should not be any kind of material threat to Huskers, but not a game that we can just sleepwalk into and expect to win. So, um, as I mentioned earlier, Ken Palm projects to a 17-point spread. In this exact instance, I'm probably taking the 17 points. Nebraska, after after covering the spread the last two games, Maybe a little bit overvalued. Um, you know, Ryder coming off a big loss. I think there may be some value in that spread if that's what it ends up getting posted as. I have not seen anything live yet as of recording Saturday night. Um but again, a senior laden team and, and a lot of questions arise from this. You know, will Tominaga be back and what will that look like? Will Jawan Gary be back? You know, that could definitely help with our rebounding issue that we may run into with Ryder a little bit. Having Jawan Gary on the court, you know, I don't think he's gonna be scared of anybody on the, on the rebounding side of things. And again, I just don't think this is a game that we can sleepwalk into. So very Hopeful that we can uh, play a good game going into Ryder. Hope guys like Wilcher um, and Tominaga, you know, can get, can get the threes coming in and, and we win that one running away. So moving on to Stony Brook now, our next opponent, which will be on Wednesday. Uh, Ken Palm checks them in at the 279th overall team on offense, checking in at 259 and defense 294. They played a tempo of 303, so not a team that's going to push the pace much. Uh, their two-point distribution percentage is 68%, and their three-point percentage is 25%. So this is a team that's not going to shoot a ton of threes. This is a, this is a squad that's going to sit there, try to get their twos, probably try to drive the lane a lot. They may settle for some two-point jumpers as well, but if the, you know, they're distributing it at a 68% clip, this team's going to make sure that the, they back away the, on the three and try to get the ball inside as much as they can. Uh, previous results for Stony Brook, uh, they've only played one official D1 game played at St. John's. They lost that one 90 to 74. In that game, they shot 44% from the field, 25% from three, and they had four guys in double figures. So again, another example of a squad that can distribute scoring a little bit. That being said, similar along the lines of Ryder, they only had nine assists on 74 points and they played at a very slow tempo. So again, not a team that you know, when you're looking at that two point distribution and the lack of assists, there's probably a squad that's going to settle for some two point jumpers, uh, you know, a little bit more of a one game type of thing, get the ball in the post, let him try to go to work. Uh, not necessarily a free flowing offense in any regard on that side of things. So, uh, they allowed 52% from the field to St. John's allowed 50% for three. So that tells me that the perimeter shot should be available for the Huskers. So you'd hope guys again, like Tobinaga, Eli Rice, Mass could hit a couple. I expect a lot of three points to rate in that game. Um, Their sixth man, Chris Midon, had three blocks, five steals, and six rebounds. So he's going to be a really good defender for them off the bench. Um, I believe he's a taller center in the 6'10", 6'9", range. So make sure we were very aware of him. May may affect Mass' ability to output a little bit. Nebraska's projected to an 82-63 win by Ken Palm. So it's assuming a 19-point spread in this one. Um and this is another senior heavy team um with a little bit of a shorter roster in this one, which would help explain the um the three-point percentage allowed to St. John's. So moving into the lineup for Stony Brook, you have Aaron Clark, a 6-1 senior point guard, played much of uh much of the year injured last year, so didn't get many minutes, so pulled stats from the year prior. Uh he averaged sixteen-two and four in twenty twenty-one at Sacred Heart and was a third team All-American um in the NEC. So, you know, this guy from what I've read, is kind of their bread and butter. They expect him to be a focal point of the offense, a guy that can distribute pretty well, can get his own. Again, when you're averaging 16 points, I don't care what level they're at, you're a guy that can find the bucket. Um, at shooting guard, they're expecting to start Dean Knoll, a 6'2 senior who played, again, on a torn ACL last year, so didn't get a ton of action. Averaged 10-3-3 and 3 in 2021 at Cornell prior to his transfer. Um, at small forward, they're looking at Tyler Stevenson-Moore, a 6'3 senior, averaging 14-4-2 and 2 last year. He led the team in points It was named third, third team all conference in this colonial athletic association conference at power 4 They're looking at starting Andre Snotty, a six, six junior who averaged 10, eight and one. Last year for Stony Brook, had four double-doubles and, and was a Northeast Conference all-rookie team and is another power rebounder. So this is a guy that kind of does a lot of their dirty work. Again, as you kind of see as I project uh, through the rest of this lineup, this is a team that is a little bit shorter, so they struggle for for uh, rebounding opportunities. So uh, this is the guy that, that will try to lead that charge and try to make sure that they stay even on the glass. And at the five spot, again, they could go uh, their sixth man, Chris uh, Chris Midon or Keenan i have projected Keenan Fitzmaurice, a seven foot senior average, 10, four and one last year. Um, he was a Stanford grad in 2021. So this guy is, you know, a very, very intelligent guy had a 25 point game last year, um, but is not a great rebounder. He only uh, in one game had nine rebounds and that was his season high for last year. So, uh, you know, again, Stony Brook probably in the similar realm of rider uh, in the realm of difficulty of opponent. I don't think the Huskers should be too scared of this team again. With the lack of height and the lack of three-point defense, I think Nebraska should be able to run away with this without too much of an issue. Projected again to a 19-point spread in this one, I alternatively would lay the points. Um, I think Nebraska should be able to get their offense uh, and tempo flowing very nicely and should have a lot of uh, nice open looks from three on that side of things. So moving on finally to our Big Ten review. The Big Ten was in action here for the last couple of days. Got a couple upsets, probably nothing that, that I think uh, Nebraska fans are going to be too excited about, depending on where you're looking at. I, you know, I think in a year that we are trying to sneak our way into the tournament, you probably want a lot of Big Ten teams to win early, so as to upgrade the caliber and respect of the conference as you move into conference play. But we'll kind of go through some of the things that that the Big Ten did over here uh, since our last time we talked to you. Wisconsin fell 80 to 70 to number nine Tennessee. The Badgers only shot 41 percent from the field, 25 percent from three and got really nothing from their bench. Um, So this is a team, you know, Wisconsin may not be as deep as they've been in the past. I think, I believe, they only had about 10 to 12 bench points. So they're going to rely heavily on their starting lineup, led by Chucky Hepburn. So um, we'll kind of see how they develop. Maybe they develop a little bit more of a bench as we um, continue on through the season. Ohio State loses a tight one, 73 to 66 at home to number 15 Texas A&M. The Buckeyes shoot 42% from the field, only 21% from three-point And Thornton goes off for 24, two and five. So Ohio state doesn't get much from their big three there, but Thornton decides to explode. So he had a really good game, Um, but they could not get it done at home against Texas A&M, which would have been a nice win for the big 10 conference. Fortunately, wasn't able to get it done. Maryland falls to Davidson in a heartbreaker 64 to 61. This is a game. Again, we talk about this one's going to hurt the big 10 when it comes to um, conference prestige. You want to make sure that the big 10 looks good and Maryland not doing their part here. Uh, well, not because of Reese and uh, young Reese goes off for 16 and 11 has a nice double double and young goes for 18, two and seven, obviously a great player, first team, all big 10 candidate. Um, but those were the only two in double figures. So Maryland lacking maybe a little bit of firepower amongst their starting five in the lower ranks things. Penn state beats Lehigh 74 to 65 behind Wams 11 and 18 and moves them to two and Oh, that game was tied at half, but they made sure that they, they, uh, you know, got the offense going and, and got it done. Minnesota defeats UTSA 102 to 76 Garcia and Iden combined for 42 and 12 as they lead the charge for the Gophers to beat the number 259 ranked team in Ken Palm, Iowa defeats Alabama state 98 to 67. Sanford grabs a double double with 17 and 12 and McCaffrey scores 22 for them. Northwestern gets a really nice win for the big 10 against the number 65 ranked Ken Palm team Dayton 71 to 66. They are leading a 10-by-half, really never in too much of a doubt. Um, Barnheiser goes for a double-double, uh, 13 points, 10 rebounds. And Grandpa Boo-Booey scores 15, and Langford scores 19. So Northwestern uh, looking like uh, looking like a pretty good team in the Big Ten. Again, not just a nice win. Helps the conference out a little bit. Michigan State and Tom Izzo rebound to beat Southern Indiana 74-51 to after that heartbreaking upset to James Madison. So Michigan State looking to get back on track, and they do. And routing it out, Indiana survives a scare against Florida Gulf Coast, 69 to 63 behind uh where's 13 and 12 double-double, and four Hoosiers get into double figures. So um, Indiana, you know, tight game against Florida Gulf Coast. That's not a type of result. Again, Big Ten fans want to see from them, but a win is a win. I'm sure they have a lot to develop on that. Uh, but they get the win, thankfully, keeping the Big Ten upright a little bit, so um, relatively short podcast for you today. Again, a lot to break down, so I didn't go into depth into too much. But thank you for listening. Very excited uh, for the upcoming games against Ryder and Stony Brook. Really hoping that we can get to 4 0, as we very much should. And I expect to. Spreads should be 15 plus in both these games. So um, you can follow our social media Scholarship Pod on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, twitch.tv and uh, you can find the podcast on apple or spotify whatever you may choose video podcasts are posted to youtube on scarlet shoot pod out there as well so uh, if you're watching on there i hope uh the uh football in the background didn't distract you too much it is saturday night as i record this so um, had to kind of keep my eye on some football games as well. But uh, make sure you follow the show on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you are notified whenever new episodes are released. Looking forward to uh, to what this team looks like here in the next week on these next two games. let hope for are 4-0. And uh, from Blake and the Scarlet Shootaround podcast, Go Big Red.